Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. Happy Friday. I am Sarah Gonzalez. Joined with me today, we've got uh, Chief Researcher of the Glenn Beck Radio Program, Jason Buttrell. Yes, we've got TheBlaze.com's own Aaron Colon back with us. Double dose of Aaron nice today. Of yes, <laughs> love it. And we've got conservative commentator Grant Stinchfield in as well. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Good to be here. Uh, I, we, of course, we're starting the weekend a little bit early with our Friday beers. You so, remembered this time. Awesome. I did. I did. And and we had a little switcheroo going on with the Michelob and the Shiner. There's a little bit of a fight. Yours are all open. Was it open. Yeah, you got to open it. Uh, all right, Jason, what's your top story today? Um, two things going down this week. One in the UK surrounding Tommy Robinson and the social media forum uh, or whatever that was called. No, I said, no, I said top story. They're both part of my one story, how they're related and what that means. Okay, all right, Aaron. Uh, The Democrats have chosen a challenger for Mitch McConnell, and she's not off to a great start. And she lost in 2018, but they think she can do something bigger. Oh, I can't wait to get into this. All right, Grant. And mine is more evidence of liberals weak on crime, specifically the city of Dallas, but it shows a much larger problem across the country of why this matters to everyday folks about how outrageous they're getting when it comes to coddling criminals. Mm, All right. Obviously, we've got a lot to get into. First, we want to thank our sponsor, realestateagentsitrust.com. So I know that there are a lot of real estate agents out there. Some of them might plaster their face on like a bench where you go and sit your rear end when you wait for the bus. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. That's probably not the best way to pick your real estate agent. Uh, Neither is uh, finding the guy with with their face on the billboard or, you know, picking a random person on Google or the phone book, if anyone still has those. But you can go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn founded this website because, you know, he's in the radio industry. He moves around all the time and he was seeing what the top real estate agents had in common. So his team actually vets all these real estate agents all across the world. They vet them for their experience. They make sure that these are the people who do this full time, who have the knowledge underneath their belts to be able to move you and your family to a home that you guys are going to love, that you're going to get the best value and more importantly, that you're going to feel safe. You can go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Like I said, they've got agents all across the country, so they've got one where you're located. If you are looking to buy or sell, go there now. All right, Jason. Tommy you, and your, you and your double stories. <laughs> I'll get around to the point. Uh, you know me. I'll eventually. eventually there. Um, Tommy Robinson. I'm not going to go into Tommy Robinson, the man. Um, he's, he's polarizing. A lot of people believe mm-hmm. different things on one side and the other. And can I, can I, can I interject for a second? Uh, Aaron, I read your piece that's up on theblaze.com right now about Tommy Robinson and who he is and kind of breaking down all of this. So I just wanted to, to interject and just say, all the viewers, if you guys have not seen that yet, you got to go to the blaze.com and read it. It really is truly eye-opening. Sorry, Jason, continue. But I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Yes. What I'm going to focus on is what was happening outside. Right. What was happening outside was they were, I mean, it was insane. I think we actually have a little bit of a, a footage of that. There was brawling. Um, there was uh, people just, yeah, acting like that, throwing Jeez. equipment and hit, pummeling each other with it. Um, people are pissed in the UK. People are pissed in the EU. Um, if Let's say you absolutely just hate what Tommy Robinson stands for. Let's say, let's say you're in that boat. There never would have been a Tommy Robinson if the governments in the, in the European Union or UK wouldn't have let the situation get to where it's at right now. And whether it's a, a policy of just censorship in general, that they do not want to even say the words Islamic terrorism, they do not want to talk about the dangers of 
of people coming into their country completely, you know, unfettered, uh, just open borders coming in from places that, you know, they they don't view your citizens as human beings. Mm -hmm. They really don't. They can do whatever they want to them. If you don't let people have a voice and say, this is why we're scared of them, then Tommy Robinson is exactly what you get. People outside going crazy, pissed off that you're not listening to them. That's exactly what you're going to get. Now, shifting gears to the second story here, what happened with the social media forum. It, it, it's kind of funny to me that we even have to have a need for this, really, right now. The reason we have to have a need for a forum like this is because, again, we have a people that feel like they're not being listened to. Whether it's, it's from, coming from the mainstream media, big tech social media companies, uh, you know, what have you. They're not giving a voice to the people that are saying, like, these things scare us. Kind of like the uh, Islamic extremism thing happening in the, in the UK right now. Like, look, you're not paying attention to us. We, we, we are scared of these things. We're, we're, we believe in fiscal responsibility. We believe in the rule of law. We believe in all these things that the mainstream media is just not covering. Mm -hmm. um, in the UK, it's kind of like, I think it's kind of like a government mandate at this point that they're like, we're not even going to talk about these things because we believe in open borders. We believe in all these progressive policies. Over here, it's, uh, it's, it's private companies doing it. Um, and the one thing that I think that has in common is, is, is government. Really, uh, it's not the, it's the, the government is not mandating this at this point because they really can't. But it's their problem when they got into the, uh, when they did the Decency Act to begin with, when they added in that 230 clause that basically just let these social media companies, you know, give, have them, give them all this power. And, but not have to worry about repercussions at all. So they assumed that they were going to be biased. They assumed that these things were going to happen. But now they're in a trouble because they're finding out, oh, they're, they're, they obviously are, you know, very, very biased. Mm -hmm. um, they are not uh, adhering to the rules of the platform versus publisher. Um, so government involvement is always a bad thing. The only government involvement I want to see uh, in, as far as where it's, where it's here right now with, uh, with the big tech, tech companies is I think the government should get in and say, okay, yes, we, we screwed up. We're striking 230. Big tech companies, you guys are on your own. Mm -hmm. You guys are on your own. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're, if, you're, if you're worried about being litigated against, sued, whatever. Um, figure it out. If you can't figure it out, there's another company that's going to come and take your place, and they'll figure it out. And I know that, um, you know, over in the UK, it's a little bit different because when you talk about the BBC and everything, that these are all... T directly tied to the government. Um, but as far as here goes, what I was most shocked about, and I guess I shouldn't be shocked anymore because we all know what the mainstream media really is uh, in this country, but at this social media summit that you're discussing, Jason, um, there was a CNN reporter who said some really shocking things, um, and then, you know what? Let me just let you watch. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. No, I'm just standing around. This is a group of people that are eager for demonic possession. Demonic possession? <laughs> You're a journalist, right? right. Hey, hey, come this on over here and talk to me, brother. We can go outside and have a long conversation. You are a punk. You're not a journalist. You're a punk. Go home. Journalist, go home. Hey, Gorka, get a job. Hey, just for the record, he'd kick your punk ass. <laughs> now, <laughs> I mean, that was funny at the end. But a CNN reporter standing outside where these people are at at the White House and saying these people are eager for demonic possession. Doesn't that just show you what the state is of journalism? All of it. So I used to work in mainstream TV for 20-something years. I was an investigative reporter, came up through the NBC system. Uh, I like to think when I started, journalism was what it was. We were going out trying to find both sides of the story and just mm -hmm. tell it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Now, that's what you get. People hungry to make a name for themselves. They know that the personality is the one that's going to make the most money. They push their ideology on all of us. To behave like that in the Rose Garden, first off, I don't know how you call yourself a journalist mm-hmm. because you, you should call yourself a kindergartner because yeah. you're acting like a little baby. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, and, and I would think his bosses should be ashamed of him. They probably love the publicity, though, yes. CNN. Yes. This is what they're hungry for. Look at Jim Acosta. Mm-hmm. He constantly calls for more attention, and CNN loves it. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, to your point on Jim Acosta, Jim Acosta retweeted a tweet that specifically left out what uh, Brian Karam said, specifically left out the demonic possession part. It just was a tweet that said, can you believe Gorka walked over there and called him a punk and did all these things? Can you believe that that happened? Completely left out the fact that this reporter was over there instigating this entire situation. And Jim Acosta, of course, perpetuated that. And remember the reporter said, hey, meet me outside, yes. basically. Yes, threat. Yes, yeah. Yeah. absolutely, absolutely, And it's, it's amazing that reporters feel emboldened to go to the White House and behave like that. And yes. it kind of shows the culture to where people can be so antagonistic to what is viewed as a conservative group of people. They feel like they can just talk to them any sort of way. They feel like they can be advocates, they can be activists, and they're not there to check their bias at the door and just report on what's going on, which is presumably why they were sent there, mm-hmm. but they're making themselves a part of the story, and it's just not what it's supposed to be. They are making themselves the story, mm-hmm. not even just a part of the story, the story. Jason? I think it's hilarious how threatened they now are, and I think it's, I think the first, I, I think they're screwed, I think they know that they're screwed, and I'm talking about mainstream mm-hmm. outlets, because, I mean, they saw this when Fox News came and had the audacity to actually, you know, represent the other 50% of America. How dare they? You know, that one network, there was a gazillion other networks all had the same viewpoint, but one came and threatened them. But now, so that, that's been the, you know, the, the source for all the vitriol. But now, it's like, there's all these, with technology, there's the rise of Blaze TV, mm-hmm. um, all these other outlets, all the people that showed up there that also threaten, their, or have the, the means, they have the voice to be able to threaten or, or provide a, a, you know, a, a counter narrative to, to what they're saying. And they're absolutely scared to death. I think I saw a story that said of the most recent stories about Democratic presidential candidates, a large majority of them that are going viral are coming from conservative media outlets. It's showing that there is a real audience for these conservative outlets like us that are threatening the mainstream outlets that are just giving one narrative, one side of the story. Where I think the media is missing the boat right now is I think the American people are on to them. President Trump was very helpful in that, but it's been a narrative among conservative circles for a long time. It may not have been called fake news, but you call it the devious media, the deceitful media, whatever it is, they push this narrative that right now happens to be anti-Trump. But for the last decade, at least probably more, it it had been anti-conservative. And if you have anything to do with conservative principles, the media was going to be after you. Yeah. Um, One more one more note on this uh, this summit. So they were not done with Sebastian Gorka. Um, they, again, making themselves the story, making themselves the victim, the media. Uh, they cornered him outside afterwards and they asked him about blocking people on Twitter. Yeah, this is what we're talking about now in 2019 in mainstream media. Watch. Mr. Gorka, if you believe in not blocking anybody, that everybody should have a I don't. fair chance, you block me, I don't. you block hundreds I block whoever I want to. Why? I block 16,000 people. Why? Because they're asshats. That's why. Am I an asshat? If I blocked you, yeah. <laughs> It's very relatable. That's how we all feel. On yes, yes. It is. Why is it? Why is it now not okay? Why is that the story now? That poor, you know, poor media underlings are getting blocked by Sebastian Gorka. What, like? <laughs> 
If they've always got to make themselves the story and the victim. That, that is classic Sebastian Gorka. <laughs> yeah. and, and I've been privileged enough to start to become friends with him. Yeah. And he is a brilliant, brilliant man. And I'll tell you, he calls it like it is. And they are asshats, <laughs> which is why he blocks them, because he doesn't want to be trolled by them. Um, I've not blocked anybody on mm-hmm. Twitter. I let it all go. You know what? Because it doesn't bother me. Right. I don't care what the left thinks about yeah. me. Uh, I don't care one ounce what they think about me, so they can have at it. Uh, The truth matters, and uh, nothing triggers like truth. (laughs) Amen. All right, uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be back. (laughs) I just like, you're really asking him why he blocked you? All right, Aaron, you said Mitch McConnell's new challenger. She's had some some stumbles already. Already. One week into the campaign, um, she started off the first thing. We're talking about Amy McGrath. She's a former, I believe, Marine fighter pilot who ran for Congress in 2018. She lost, um, but now they think she lost a House race. She can beat Mitch McConnell in the Senate. <laughs> um, her first act was to have to explain why she compared Donald Trump's election to 9-11. And essentially that boiled down to her saying, well, they were both unexpected things. Oh, gosh. Nobody expected these things to happen. But, yeah, she said she felt like it was 9-11 when Donald Trump was elected. So that was her first thing she had to explain. From a Marine. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so then she comes out in an interview, I believe it was in a Louisville paper, and she said, I would have voted for uh, Brett Kavanaugh to be confirmed. She said, I don't see anything that would be disqualifying about him. Um, as a Democrat, that's really kind yeah, of you get, that's, her. That is suicide as a Democrat. So later in the same day, the same day, she came out with some tweets and she went back on that. She said, uh, actually, now I've looked more into his record and I would not have voted for him. Now, keep in mind, Brett Kavanaugh, that happened a while ago. So mm-hmm. what did she find out on Wednesday <laughs> about Brett Kavanaugh <laughs> that she didn't know then? Uh, but she even came and apologized, basically, for that stand. She said, I know I disappointed many today with my initial answer on how I would have voted on Brett Kavanaugh. That just shows Democratic pressure got to her, and uh-huh. she had to backtrack on that. And so it's kind of weird. She's trying to run as sort of like a pro-Trump Democrat because of the state that she's in, to where she says, I will be the one to get Donald Trump's agenda pushed through more than Mitch McConnell. But at the same time, she thinks it was 9-11 when, she, when he got elected. So mm-hmm. she's trying to play it both ways. It's, it's not a great start for somebody who's trying to take out the Senate majority mm-hmm. leader. Well, and I also, I mean, what is with this trend of Democrats? They keep putting up these candidates that keep showing that they can't win. I mean, you've got Stacey Abrams, who lost, and then they had her give the rebuttal for the State of the Union. She was thinking about running for president for a while. Yes. It's like, well, and then you've got Robert Francis O'Rourke, our good buddy. He's doing real well, right? Right. I mean, he, he lost his race here, and then they thought, oh, I know, I'll run for president instead. What, yeah, it's like they pick these people that? and they just, for some reason, they see something in them that I don't think anybody else sees, not even their own voters see, but they, they anoint these people and they get stuck with it. It sounds like she's taking the Beto O'Rourke mm-hmm. model of be everything, all people, whatever the crowd that you're with thinks, mm-hmm. and that's what you're going to say, and it turns out that she just seems like she's dumb when it comes <laughs> to what she's saying. Yeah, I don't think she ha- she knows what she believes. She's just trying right. to please whoever she's in front of at the moment, and that, it, that results in nothing. There's a lot of these big, like, super PACs that are pushing these candidates as well. Like Stacey Abrams uh, had heavy backing with Democracy. Do you guys know Democracy Alliance? Mm -hmm. Um, They're insane progressive nutballs that 
also happen to have like 500 billion that they've spent, I think. And, and uh, that's another, that's a whole other jar, you know, ball of wax there. Mm-hmm. But the dark money that they always accuse us of, they are the worst perpetrators of that right now. Oh my gosh. But I know Democracy Alliance is pushing Stacey Abrams for some weird reason. There's another big uh, pack that is pushing. Um, they're getting any veteran that they can get their hands on that might be progressive or far left, and they're putting them into heavy Republican areas and just running them as uh, veterans. You know, or like former. Mm-hmm. I, I have not looked into this uh, this woman, but I would not be surprised at all if that sounds like what it is. Whether she's involved in that or that organization or not, that sounds like what this is. She fits a prototype that they think mm-hmm. can win, and that and, that, and that's that's actually very scary. And that's what everyone needs to look at. Like uh, local elections, they're doing this a lot. Mm-hmm. They're getting someone that kind of sounds flashy. Let's say Marine fighter pilot or whatever mm-hmm. and they're hardcore progressive but they're throwing them they're making them run in locations like you know i don't know small town texas that's heavily deeply red mm-hmm. but whoever looks at to see and, and they're actually uh, a lot of times they're running them as republicans mm-hmm. and uh do you, justice democrats the people that got aoc mm-hmm. uh, yeah, in many of the city races you, it's a non-partisan race even yeah. though we all know they're right. partisan but sure. you don't have labels so you run the marine fighter pilot in a race where you're not running democrat or republican yeah well, I'm going to vote for the Marine fighter pilot, right? right? Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, like you said, they're a hardcore progressive. And when's, the, when's, the, when's the last time you actually looked um, and actually cared about what was on the ballot for like your local congressman? Or, you know, or like the local district attorney or whatever. We don't ever look at that. You just check R. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's uh, uh, I look at it, Jason. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> of course you for do. Me. Well, everyone at the table here does. But. <laughs> uh, all right, Grant, I want to move on to what's going on here in Dallas. All right, so this is a good reason why you should look at those issues locally. <laughs> right. uh, so this issue is not just going on in Dallas. It's going on across the country. And, and Dallas... County in Texas, which Dallas was a conservative city for a long time. It is no longer. I know that comes as a surprise to most people around the country. It is not a conservative city now. It's a very liberal city. You know the Beto signs were here during that. Oh, oh my gosh! Everywhere. In, in really nice neighborhoods. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. do you uh, do you want to keep your home? Do you want to be poor now? <laughs> you know how you I got don't to where you're at. <laughs> right. Right. So Dallas County does a study about how can they eliminate the quote tax on the poor, the poor tax, which happens to be criminal fines and fees. So if you're convicted of a crime and you're charged a fine for that or have to pay court fees for that, Dallas says we should do away with those. That's a tax on the poor. Now, in the newspaper article in the Dallas Morning News, they cite as a credible uh, asset to this idea, San Francisco. That San Francisco has done this. Now look at what's happened with San Francisco. It's a hellhole, anyone that lives there. So now Dallas wants to do away with fines and fees for criminals, thinking it's somehow discriminatory against poor people. Last I checked, if you're convicted of a crime, you're a criminal. (laughs) It has nothing to do with whether you're rich or poor. You broke the law. And so they are actively pushing this. And this is going on across the country as they try to do away with criminals by just not calling them criminals anymore. Doesn't mean the crime goes away. It just means we don't convict people or punish people anymore. And so what happens? Crime flourishes. Yeah, well, and I mean, to that point, just recently in Dallas, that what they said that they wanted to start they wanted to stop charging people for theft as long as it was under, what, $750 or something like that, and it was something that could benefit them. It was some sort of criteria that was like, well, stealing's okay if... I live in East Dallas, and I had a bike stolen off my back porch. The guy scaled a 10-foot fence to steal my bike, and I've got it all on video. That bike was not worth $750. If he's caught and he says, well, I needed that bike to go get food or transportation for my job, Mm -hmm. the district attorney, a Democrat in Dallas, says 
he should not be charged with a crime. And in fact, they're not going to charge him with a crime because he needed that. Now, it's mine. It's not his. I paid for it. He didn't. Wait, but he needed it. But he needed it. <laughs> well, how about you need it too? Amazing. It really is. This economic justice that's going on. And not just that, but um, Aaron, we're really seeing it nationwide. Right. We've got people coming in from the border that we've got an entire uh, political party who says that they should not be treated as if they just broke the law, even though they just walked over uh, illegally. Yeah, it's weird how the logic goes that if you lessen penalties, that people will somehow not commit crimes. I mean, they won't be crimes anymore. So you can say there's less crime, you know, semantically, but it's incentivizing people to say, well, let me make sure my crime is below seven hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> Or let me just do this thing because, okay, I can, it's a cost-benefit analysis to where you say, oh, it's not so bad if I get caught, so it's worth the risk for me to do it. And obviously that's going to just incentivize more crime. I mean, it's... This is exactly what happened in Parkland, Florida with the shooter there. The Obama administration says we're not going to discipline children anymore because we don't want outrageous numbers of minorities disciplined. And what happened was they ended up not officially disciplining anybody. And so where the shooter had so many complaints against him, so many issues against him, under Obama administration rules, under federal guidelines, they did not do anything with this kid uh, because they didn't want to have higher numbers of any kind of criminal activity or bad activity among students. And so that's how far this stuff goes mm -hmm. to the point where it'll affect 17 people dying mm -hmm. because you're weak on crime or bad behavior. Jason, you want to weigh in? Well, it's, I'm, when do people just call them out? It's so obvious that they're just trying to buy votes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's so obviously that's all they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you just change the wording of some of the things they said, it would actually be a federal crime. I mean, they're basically saying, I mean, it, you don't, we're going to forgive all, the, all student debt. Uh, we're trying to buy off all the millennials that are now having to pay on student loans. Right. Um, right here, you know, we're just gonna. You don't. Have, don't worry about paying all the all these fines and all that stuff. We're buying you off this now as well. Clay Jenkins, who happens to be the county judge in in Dallas, said we need a criminal justice system that works for everyone and one that does not discriminate on people based on poverty. Now I don't know how it's discriminating because they're criminals. He goes on to say, what we don't want is someone choosing between daycare and a fee. What I don't want is someone choosing between committing a crime and then, well, I'm going to commit it because I don't have to pay a fee if right. I commit the crime. Right. The law well, is pretty black and white. It's, 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 you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not like... Well, it's, a, it's pretty discriminatory to say just poor people are committing crimes. A hundred percent. I mean, that's pretty discriminatory. I mean, if I'm, uh, if I'm a poor person in Dallas, I'm like, excuse me? Why are you calling yeah, me a criminal? are not criminals. Right. Like some people are just law-abiding citizens who don't have a lot of money. And not all rich people are law-abiding. Right. Yeah, you got right. so, I mean, right. look, a criminal is a criminal. I don't care what color you are. I want you prosecuted. And a lot of times when you arrest somebody, you don't know how much money they have. You just see that they're committing a crime. I mean, that's where it starts. Yeah, you're not like, okay, let me let see me your check checkbook. Yeah, yeah, let me look, open your wallet. How many credit cards do you have? Did so you this is Dallas. So think about what cities have done this. We talked about San Francisco. You've got homelessness out the wazoo there. you got people going to the bathroom on the streets in downtown San Francisco, yeah. Baltimore, Detroit, all of these cities, Chicago. They have places you can go and shoot up and it's legal. And it's legal. Crying out loud. Yeah, dispose of your needle very cleanly in a Starbucks bathroom or something like that. Or the street. Uh, or the street. Get that out of Dallas. We don't want it here. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Oh, wow.
once again, I want to encourage everyone to go to theblaze.com. Check out uh, the piece that, that Aaron co-authored with Leon Wolf. Mm-hmm. You guys both wrote this piece on Tommy Robinson. It is really comprehensive. It really explains a lot that you're not hearing from any other media outlets. Uh, and then don't forget we have Overtime coming up next. You can only watch it. Video, not audio, but you want to see our faces. Come on, you can only watch it on blazetv.com. Use promo code NEWS for $10 off right now. We'll see you there. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. The Democrats are still at it, at each other's throats in party fighting. I, for one, am here for it. I love every minute of it. Popcorn? Get it ready? Yes, Great. I love it. So, of <laughs> course, we've got the the new up-and-comers, the new radicals who have, you know, they just got elected. They don't know their rear from their elbow. Wink. And uh, they're over here trying to tell the old school people how to run things. So you've got AOC and Nancy Pelosi I know that we've covered this in a previous show, um, AOC implying that, was this you yesterday, Aaron? Mm-hmm. AOC yeah. implying that she's Nancy Pelosi is- women of color. Yes, she's racist. Because yeah. there would be no other reason to criticize Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. No political differences. No. It's just because of her last name. Yeah. Um, so she's getting so much pushback from, uh, for her comments from some unlikely places. Watch. Nancy Pelosi and Di Fi, Feinstein, mm-hmm. yeah. have both been there a zillion years by themselves fighting this cause of making life better. So this is why it you hurts. have to. Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what happens to people, but please remember that the people who are here now, all you young people, you're on the shoulders of a whole bunch of people who came before you. And you can't just, you have to stop discounting that. Jason? I, I, I love it when they, they all of a sudden realize that identity politics, what happens when it's going to come back and bite you in the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, because that's exactly what, I mean, this, this is what, ha- these are the pitfalls of identity politics. When you are so eager, uh, you know, to, that's your fallback. You don't have any other intelligent comment at all or argument if you just want to throw the race card or throw the whatever section, you know, intersectional, you know, Trump card that you have out there. This is what happens. It's, it's, it's funny how joyful. selective they are with condemning that, though. Now, all of a sudden, it's a problem because it went to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where has that yeah. been? Right, right. One of them said, this is why it hurts, which is hilarious. <laughs> this is why it hurts. Bazillion years that Whoopi said they've been in office and they basically have the wicked witches of the West die by <laughs> and, and Nancy Pelosi. Um, it's hilarious to me to watch them eat their own. Mm-hmm. That's what's really happening there. Um, it's all out war in the Democratic Party between each other. And it's, yeah. it's going to get worse, I believe. Mm-hmm. I remember, I think we were talking about this a while back on another show, but um, I remember the election night. I was just looking through funny like election night tapes because it cracks me up from CNN, all this. But I was looking at the Young Turks. And Jink had a one little monologue where he was pissed off. I think it was when Florida went to Trump and threw something on the ground and goes, okay, fine. We are not standing with the establishment anymore. It is all out war. And uh, it didn't really really hit me at the time. But he is the one that got with Justice Democrats and the people that uh, had this, you know, idea of just putting waves and waves of progressive candidates like AOC, Tlaib, 
Um, Presley, I think. Presley was yeah. one of them, and, uh, and, Omar. and Omar. All of them just started coming in waves. They're still, they still have that plan, and they are just it's pissed be off. More in 2020. They are so pissed off that Trump, uh, you know, unseated, you know, their their one seat. That I think it's just it is all out war, and they've got plans, and I can't wait to see it in the next election. All so out works. war in your own party is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Calling out problems in your own party is. So I was a big member of the Tea Party. I still am, yep. and 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 I love that movement. I love what happened after its organization years ago. Um, But that can destroy a party. And we see it in the Republican Party uh, with going after each other. Look at President Trump. Uh, You got this whole issue with the so-called immigration raids, which no one's really ever even confirmed. And you read, if you believe the reporters, which is tough to even believe them, but they say they're getting their information from inside the administration. Who's leaking that from inside the White House? You've got people inside the White House working against this president. Um, on a daily basis, and it, it doesn't do either party good when you start fighting against each other. Well, I, I mean, to that point, the Democrats used to be the one who were amazingly good at keeping their fighting behind closed doors, and I think Nancy Pelosi really took pride in that, that they had control of their party and that, you know, there may be some in-party fighting, but we didn't hear about it. Mm-hmm. Now that's not the case. Aaron, Jason says that it's going to get worse before it gets better. What do you think? I mean, it's definitely going to get worse. Is AOC going to close her Twitter? No, she's going <laughs> to keep saying... Or she's every, not going to close <clears throat> her mouth either. No, she's not. She's <laughs> going to keep saying whatever she feels about Nancy Pelosi or whoever. She doesn't have any allegiance to the establishment. She's popular enough on her own that she feels like she's invincible. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out. But she feels like she's untouchable, so she's not going to listen to people who she feels like don't have her interests in mind and people who she doesn't relate to because the generation gap is so significant. And when, and when you follow the money, that's what that's what makes me really look at the future and say, yeah, this is going to get very bad. Because like the, some of the political action committees I mentioned earlier, like Democracy Alliance, people like that, um, Justice Democrats is not major, but I guess they're up and coming. But they're throwing all their money into this far left tilt that, mm-hmm. that they're now going into. So I think like right now the Democratic Party is like, what the heck are we in, a, in the next few years? Are we socialists mm-hmm. or are we going to be, the, I, you can't call them moderates, but are we whatever the heck they're identifying themselves at now? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Uh, you know, in 2020, let's say President Trump wins and the socialist uh, you know, ideologies are defeated. Do they go back and, and you know, realize that, no, hey, this yeah, is not going to no. work? Or do they double they down? Because historically, double they've down. doubled down. They'll say the establishment is what, again, kept us from winning. It held them back. Yeah, yep. They're going to say that we need to get leadership. We need the leadership to be progressive, not just the up-and-comers. And so they'll just push harder. I have to believe AOC is not going to be reelected. I ha- I want I have to believe I want to believe How? enough in the people. So, Pelosi was right that I she know. has like five people to water. vote for. Yes, yeah. I know. Um, our our friend Benny Johnson over at Turning Point he did a, a video recently where he was interviewing people in AOC's district and. He had a car drive by and just yelled out the window, "We all hate AOC." <laughs> it's like, how I think did she's she forgotten get about them. What has she done for them? I don't think she even pays attention to them nowadays. She's too busy doing Instagram lives cooking salmon. When she's I ran a for a Republican primary for Congress here in in North Texas, more people voted in that primary than voted in AOC's election for her regular election, wow. not the primary. Wow, the so general. she hardly had, there was hardly anybody showed up to vote and that's how she snuck in. It would be interesting to see if somebody uh, wanted to organize a race against her that could turn some votes out. Mm-hmm. She could lose a primary right. race there. Yeah, I mean, that, that, and that's the only way, let's that's face it. That's the only it. way. That's the only way she's going to yeah. lose. But I have to believe that literally anyone else in her district would be smarter than her. 
Well, that's what's crazy. She'll say the <laughs> stupidest things and it'll get 12,000 retweets. Right. I'm like, who is retweeting right. this stuff? That's nuts. The younger people. That's what's scary. <laughs> that's what's scary. She's my age. You know, I don't feel like she represents, you know, my generation that well, but... Yeah. You better hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, you know, talking about Democrats and just how um, there's all of this in-party fighting, um, I do think that there's also this weird uh, uh, quandary that you've got Hollywood, um, you've got Harvey Weinstein that happened, that they all kind of had to admit that there were some bad things going on that they kept quiet about. Um, and then late, the latest one, you've got Jeffrey Epstein, who, uh, you know, we all heard what happened with him. He finally got busted. He's got sex trafficking charges, a lot of terrible stuff. Um, but found this interesting, read this on the Daily Wire. Bill Maher back in, what was it, 2015, made a joke on Twitter. He said, Hillary's emails, I want to see Bill's. Hey, Epstein, gas up the plane. Let's go to Sex Island. Wow. 2015. Wow. They're joking about this mm -hmm. and about Bill Clinton's, uh, you know, ties to him. Now, all of a sudden, this well, is happening with crickets. I don't hear them saying anything. Every, that's, how, that's how crazy this story is, because everyone knew about it. Mm -hmm. The government had a slam-dunk case in 2007. Slam-dunk. And then something happened, and he was just given this like slap-on-the-wrist plea deal. Mm -hmm. It made no sense. He, his, uh, his full black book, little black book, was leaked, I think, in 2015. Mm -hmm. So you saw all the people that he was in contact with. That doesn't mean they were all his clients. Right. But um, this guy was heavily, heavily connected. I'm, I can only imagine. I remember Glenn was talking about the similarities between like Heidi Fleiss, you know, back in the early 90s and now, and how we were all like, I wonder who's in her, you know, contact book. Yeah. It, it's a little bit different because then we all knew that go a few government officials and some Hollywood people are sleazy and probably got a few prostitutes, but we didn't really care. But imagine how much bad it would have been if it would have been child prostitution. Mm -hmm. That's what the Heidi Fleiss, or the, I'm sorry, the uh, Epstein thing is. Yeah. This is, has the potential to rock. I mean, rock several government institutions if they're f found out to be a part of this. Did you see Vicki Ward's uh, reporting on this? She was the one that kind of started this in Vanity yes. Fair. Yes. She just wrote in Daily Beast where she said that um, she was told that uh, Acosta said, I was told to stay away from, from the Epstein case and to back off. That's why he did the plea deal because he was tied to, uh, to intelligence or intelligence so, owned it. Oh, yeah. I did see that. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, There's all questions, too, about how he even made his money. They've interviewed yes, all these yeah. hedge fund managers. We really don't even know who his clients are except yeah. for the one famous client that he has um, and, and where does he get, get his money. But now you watch the mainstream media. Clearly, you, you, you talk about the Clintons and, and Bill and Marr making jokes about Epstein. The media now is rushing to find anyone connected to President Trump. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be President Trump. They should find someone connected. Now, this guy needed to go away a long time ago. And, you know, if you were the prosecutor then and if Acosta could have done something more, he should have done something more. This guy's a dangerous predator that was on the streets. Dude, that's a good point about how they're covering his connections with uh, Clinton or, and with uh, Trump. Trump. I, I read an article, I can't remember where it was, one of the mainstream big ones, where they were like, what's this mean, yada, 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 who do you have contacts with? And they said uh, that for Trump, it was like everything. Like, right. oh, well, we think that he might have ridden his bike in the same neighborhood when, you know, it was stupid. <laughs> they and then the same air in New York. Right. And then for Clinton, it said, oh, and here's Clinton's statement on, you know. You can tell who that was it. cares about this because of the potential to incriminate Trump. Yes. That's it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And it's
it's a shame because it should be about the victims. Yeah, this right. is a horrible and it should be about those kids. Right, yeah. right. Uh, all right, yesterday's poll, should the U.S. women's soccer team be paid as much as the men when they generate less revenue? 96% of you said no. 4% of you were just wrong. <laughs> I don't know who in the world is voting yes in this poll. Is that a record for a lopsided poll? Or? <laughs> no, I think we've maybe hit 98 before. Um, but, I mean, I'm shocked 4%. 4% said yes. Come on. Get with the program, guys. All right. Today's poll. Do you think it was right for uh, Acosta? We're just talking about this. Labor Secretary Acosta to resign after allegations that he gave a, quote, sweetheart deal to alleged pedophile and sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. What do you think? Oh, what's the context? I mean, right. I always want to know the context in these things. Like, seriously, why did he give the... I'd like to know an explanation before demanding that he vacate mm-hmm. the building. Well, that's why I They're- find it so odd that, I mean, maybe they just want it to go away. So they're just like, we need you to resign so we can stop talking about this. But I do find it odd that there are so many details that we are not allowed to know. And now he's resigning. Right. Well, that thing that I just told you about where he, he told people that he was he was he belonged to intelligence, I think, was the quote mm-hmm. uh, that was supposedly like a transcript or whatever from the transition team asking him to explain that. So as the Trump transition team doing their due diligence and saying, Look, explain this because it's going to come up in the confirmation mm-hmm. hearings. And that was the response he gave, and apparently that was enough. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could possibly be, maybe he really, is, as crazy as it sounds, maybe someone did, you know, high up in the you know, intelligence circles say, look, this is something that's, you know, is tied to something we're doing, so we had to back off. Again, there's the context of that. Or somebody high up in circles under a Democratic administration lied for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's right? a great point. We need, for anything, we need context we need on this. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yes, if... If he did go easy on these crimes, then yes. But we do need to know the why and the, and the details of it in order to make that decision, not just be an outrage mob and say, you're connected to this bad thing, get out, and then we forget about it. Right. right. You know, even if you take out all the context from it, Acosta said why he resigned, and it was really makes a lot of sense. He says we should be talking about a great economy, mm-hmm. not about a case 12 years old hurting the president, mm. right? Yeah. So he's going to take himself out of it so it's not affecting the president's administration and the economy. Now, certainly we need to know, did he give him a sweetheart deal? I want to know right? because I don't want that guy having a sweetheart deal. And if he did, then he should resign. But you need context for all that stuff. Um, but bottom line is the media, again, as we said, is using this and they'll do everything they can, just like the fake Russian dossier, to go after President Trump and tie him somehow to this. If you're a billionaire in Palm Beach, I promise you, you know the other billionaires yes, in Palm Beach. Yes, I promise you that. Absolutely. Uh, you don't know what goes on behind closed doors. Right. Well, and I mean, you know, it is interesting to see the amount of coverage being uh, given to President Trump and his connections, but nothing on Clinton. And if you look, it's very clear that their connections were stacked way higher than anything that President Trump has ever connected with him in. And not too many people are reporting the fact that President Trump kicked this guy out of his club. Out of Mar-a-Lago. Once he heard the accusations of what was going on, he shut it down immediately. That's huge for the president. That's huge. You get some credit for that. Yeah. Well, not in the mainstream media. Uh, All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, Remember to vote on that poll at The Blaze's Twitter. That is at The Blaze. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. (sighs) Ah. Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.